0: I love what is going on it, it, in our church. Uh, last week was amazing with the annual meeting. Uh, the stuff that's happening in kids' ministry is phenomenal. Uh, like, like the kids are learning how to pray. And uh, you're going to have an opportunity in the coming weeks to join uh, kind of as a whole church. Uh, to pray for our kids and our families. There'll be more on that in the coming weeks. But amazing things are happening. Like people are being changed by Jesus. The Holy Spirit is transforming, moving, and working. Uh, We had a men's group this last week. Uh, There's like six or seven guys that signed up and like 13 or 14 that actually showed up to the night. Like we have women's groups that are meeting and that are expanding and multiplying. And uh, there are amazing things that are happening all across our church. Next week, uh, we get to do some more. uh, We get to do a baptism of one of the girls that joined a small group and found, kind of made a decision to follow Jesus through that small group. So she's gonna be up here next week, share her story. If you also have been like feeling the pull, I need to get baptized, like I've never been baptized before. I feel like I need to take that step of obedience in my next journey with Jesus. Come let me know. We'll be doing it next week. You can join in the fun, join in the party. It'll be awesome. So that's what's happening next week. This week, we're continuing in part two of our series on Colossians. If you were here last week, we talked about uh, the beginning of the book of Colossians and, and Paul's writing. And he lays out this huge argument, basically saying Christ is supreme. The title of the chapter, Supremacy of Jesus. So we are going to continue on that. We're going to talk we're going to play with some tough word this morning. That's going to be fun. Uh, but let's take out our Bibles, take out your phones, whatever you read your Bible on, and let's read through Colossians chapter one, verses 21 through 28. Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight. Without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firmed, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel... This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant. By the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope. Of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, it is a little warm in here. If somebody needs to open a window, go ahead. Uh, we have an old steam boiler and sometimes we love it, but it gets out of control. It gets a little hot. So, all right. So, we're going to start diving into these passages. So Paul, after this big, long kind of poem declaring the supremacy of Jesus, he's saying Jesus was the beginning and Jesus is the end. Jesus is in all things. Jesus holds all things together. It's almost like Paul continues on this argument and he's answering the question, why Jesus? Why Jesus? And he's explaining to this church, he's explaining to his people, this is why Jesus is. This is why we follow him. This is why we give our lives to him. Because he is supreme over and in everything. And then he just continues in this argument that he's building. And he says, see, once you were alienated from God. You were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. So we'll get out the where Hopefully this will make uh, a little bit sense or kind of bring it home for you. I, I, I saw this illustration uh, back in college, and it stuck with me this entire time. And it gives me a framework in my mind how to think about these verses. So uh, you, there is You. There you are. That's you. And all your personality, and all your glory, and all your looks, and all your charm, and all your gifts, and all your passions, like all the ways that Christ has created you, like... Remember the verse, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He is a part of, integral part of your creation and of your purpose. So there's you, and you're chilling here. You're living life. You're having a ball. You're trying to figure things out. And then there's this thing uh, called sin that we all kind of struggle with. And this is why he begins this by saying, once you are alienated from God, there is sin in your life. If I had another piece of Tupperware, I ran out. But if I had another piece of Tupperware, I'd put it around you because there is also sin all around our world. And it's this time when there is a relationship that is broken and fractured. Think back to Genesis 1 through 3. Right? There is a relationship between you and God. That was created to be one thing and then became another thing. So you, you think of Adam and Eve in the garden. They're chilling with God. They're hanging out with God. It's a perfect union, perfect relationship. Everything is amazing. And then what happens? The evil one comes and whispers a little uh, thing in their ear. Hey, uh, maybe God's holding out on you. I, I think God it really is keeping you from this hidden knowledge that that if you just do this then you'll your eyes will be open and you'll become like God and Adam and Eve slowly got worn down and slowly went okay that sounds good to me I want to be like God it's kind of like the root sin in all of our lives but but they ate from the fruit what was the immediate response of them eating from the tree they went and hid They hid behind bushes, filled with shame and guilt. In the next scene, we see God walking through the garden, going, Hey, where's my son and where's my daughter? Adam and Eve, where are you? He finds them behind the bush. Yeah, we did this. He goes, I know. I know. There's a fracture in that relationship. There is a brokenness in that relationship because of sin. And then there's also this relational factor that we are supposed to, together in community with one another, pursue Jesus. And there's a fracture in that relationship between us and God, but there's also this fracture in the relationship between each other. So, what's the response? Eat the fruit. Get busted. She made me do it. Wait a way to man up. Adam, good job. There is a fracture that then throughout the rest of the old testament, we see this fracture play out, right? Brother kills brother. Like, like we see this relational fracture in both God and each other break down as the story continues, and it's all a result of this that's inside of us. See, once you were alienated, once you were apart from Jesus, once that, that relationship had not been repaired. And, and then Paul goes on, but now now you have been reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. I get one amen. You guys are awake today. But now, and we got to kind of go down to this other verse that as Paul continues to talk, he talks about, I'm suffering for the church. Like, this is my goal. This is my hope. But here's the reality. You were alienated, but through the work of Jesus, through his coming, the Son of God coming, being fully human, fully God, dying on the cross, now your reality has changed. And later on he continues and he goes, look, it's no longer sin in you, but here's the beauty of the cross. Here's the beauty of what Jesus has done. It's now Christ in you is the hope of glory. And it's not just Christ in you is a hope of glory, but it's also you are also in Christ. And so it's not just that... He's changed you from the inside, but you are also in him. And so your whole identity has changed. There's still leftover thoughts, there's still leftover struggles inside. See, you see you in there, and then there's Christ inside of you. Like that's your new reality when you come to know Jesus. And there's still things, there's still thought patterns, there's still habits, there's still, there's this battle waging in your body, but you have a new reality. You are not driven by sin anymore. You are driven by Christ in you. And you are also in Christ. If you look throughout the New Testament, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of verses. They talk about either you being, uh, Christ being in you or you being in Christ. Like do a Google search of it sometime and just start reading through the verses. That here, Here's a couple of them. Uh, it is is Second Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Galatians 3.8, there's now no distinction, neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's not male or female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.10, the whole chapter, Ephesians 2, is amazing, but Ephesians 2.10, we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We are born new that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned before for us, in which you, and that we should walk in them because this is our purpose. See, Paul's trying to explain this reality, that you have a different source. You have a different reality. Christ is in you. You are in Christ. There is an entirely different identity that as you follow Jesus you now live by. Like, like just like let that sink in. In your daily life when you wake up in the morning, what are your thoughts? is you begin the day. Like like what is your predisposition? I think sometimes as Christians our, our predisposition is, is that I am a sinner that is occasionally saved by grace. And I emphasize that word occasionally because sometimes we walk around, we're like, well, I'm a sinner. There's nothing I can do. I'm kind of predisposed to do these things. I'm predisposed to struggle. I'm predisposed to just kind of be stuck in this way of living. And and the gospel comes along and goes, no, that's not reality. Well, uh, I'm a... I'm just a sinner that's saved by grace. I mean, I mean, maybe I try to follow Jesus. I try to. Maybe I can overcome these struggles. Maybe, but probably not. Like I'm just a sinner. Maybe. Maybe I can overcome that like I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see. Maybe I can overcome that, but that's just part of my sin nature. That's just part of who I am. Maybe I can overcome the fact that that I primarily look at work as my purpose and and that's where I get all my worth, all my value. Like if if I'm succeeding at work, I'm succeeding in life. If I'm not succeeding at work or something goes wrong, I'm no longer succeeding. Maybe I can change that, but like this is just part of, Who I am. Maybe I can struggle. Maybe I can change my struggle with porn or my struggle with my identity or or the fact that I want to define myself and who I am based off everything that culture says. Or I want to define myself based on what I feel. Maybe I'm just always gonna struggle with my purpose. Like like I just have these base thoughts and feelings about myself, and I'm always going to struggle with X. I'm never going to have victory in this area. It's never going to change for me. Is that the gospel? It's not. But we get stuck in thinking that, right? see, the gospel is, no, you are a saint, that occasionally stumbles into sin. Those are two different things. See, the half gospel is I'm a sinner that's saved sometimes by grace, but the full gospel is no, I'm a saint that has Christ in me, and I am also in Christ. Christ. So that means certain things about my life. It means certain things about how I think. It means certain things about my priorities. It means certain things about what I look to that shape my identity, that shape my character, that shape how I live in this world. Do I occasionally slip up? Yeah. We all do. It's kind of the battle, right? But first and foremost, you are a son and daughter of the Most High King. That is your identity. You are in Christ. He is in you. In Ephesians it says, uh, those that are in Christ have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. In another place, it says, when you are in Christ, you have access to the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. But we walk around and, like, well, I'm, I'm powerless to worry and anxiety. I'm powerless to this struggle, this habit that keeps coming up in my life. I'm struggle to my battle. I'm powerless in my battle with porn or my battle with thinking that if I could just buy something new, it'll make me happy. You're not powerless. Why aren't you powerless? Jesus, right? Like, this is the beautiful thing that I like that Paul's saying. He's saying, it's not by your own strength or merit. It is by Jesus. It is you, but Christ is in you. And then there's Christ around you. Like, he is in you, you are in him. It is not by your merit that causes God to look at you and go, that's my son and daughter. Spotless, blameless it's not anything that you do. It's not anything that I do. We can't earn that. It's Ephesians. It's a free gift. To, to give you another picture of this, I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking uh, the, the story of the prodigal son, All right, It's a story that Jesus tells, uh, trying to communicate God's character and who God is. It's found in Luke 15. You could go and look there if you'd like, but most likely you've been in our church for any amount of time, you kind of know the story. And the story of the prodigal son is Jesus talking, and he's kind of telling the story as a reaction to the religious leaders that are in the room. So he's telling the story, and he goes, look, this, this man has a family. His son demands his inheritance, which is basically like saying, dad, you're dead to me. Very painful, especially in this community. It's ripping the community apart. But he demands his hair. His father says, okay, here you go. I wish you well. The son goes off. The son goes off and squanders everything. Loses it all. Goes, has parties, uh, hires people to be in relationship with, if you know what I mean. like He goes off and blows everything. Pretty soon he finds himself like the only job that he could do is feeding pigs and taking care of pigs, rolling around in the mud, in the dirt, in the garbage, like just the worst of the worst jobs. This is all he could do. Finally, he reaches his breaking point where he's like, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. It's time to like swallow my pride. I've messed up. I'm going to go back home. goes back home probably uh, expecting a talk maybe even expecting like you're not even welcome here get out but he goes back home and his father sees him a long way off and his father disregards any sort of status that he has anything like that but runs to his son Grabs him in his arms. I'm so glad you're home, son. Welcome back home. Not the welcome the son was expecting. Hey, everybody, my son's home. Look, let's get new clothes on him. He stinks. Let's get new clothes on him. Let's, let's throw a party. This is a time to celebrate. My boy's home. In that moment, I don't know that he looked to him as like this kid that that wished he was dead (laughs) or this kid that just went off and blew his family inheritance or this kid that made all the wrong decisions. No, his son looked to him as his son. It reminds me of these verses. Once you were alienated, once you had sin inside of you, but now through the work of Jesus. He is in you, and you are in him. And God looks down at his sons and daughters, which is you if you are following Jesus. He goes, look at my kids. They're holy. They're blameless. They're who I created them to be. I just sit in that reality, sit in that thought, And then there's this line, right? There's this line in here that says, there's a big if in verse 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, I love that line because it's exactly what we've been talking about since the new year. If you've been with us since the new year, we went through this whole sermon series called Abide, and the whole thing about that sermon series is God calls us to remain in him over and over and over again. Uh, He's the vine, we're the branches. Our only job is to remain in him. When we remain in him, we'll bear fruit. We don't need to worry about that. It's just a natural byproduct of us remaining in him. What do these verses say? If, if you remain in him, then there's a promise of God. I love that. Because it's not like if you follow all the rules, if you do everything right, if you pray five times a week, if you read your Bible three times a week, if you get in a small group, if you do this, if you get rid of this bad habit, if you ditch this struggle. It's not any of those things. It's just simply if you remain. Christ is in you. You are in Christ. You have a new identity that you can now live out of. See, when we follow Jesus, it just doesn't give us freedom from things, but it gives us freedom to live an entirely different way. And that's what we'll get into the next few weeks, talking through Colossians. The Tupperware Tupperware will be back rest assured as the worship team comes up let's pray Jesus I pray that you open our eyes I I pray that even a silly uh, illustration with Tupperware can help us see a little bit more clear on who we are. Jesus, all, we all walk around with all sort of distorted images of who we are. But Jesus, I pray that this morning you would clarify that just a little bit. That we are in you and you are in us if we follow you. That is our identity. Everything else falls secondary to that. There is nothing in life that deserves the headspace to go above that. And your identity for us reorders everything in our life. Jesus, you have made everything available to us through what you've done on the cross. us the strength and courage to remain in your name we pray amen